0: move as well. And so the good thing about that is we have to listen to God and we have to we respond to him when he's on the move. And uh, I could preach on the difference between the tabernacle and the temple and. But I'm not so because I'm about to go on a big tangent there, but there is significance there I'd like to tell you about at some point. But let, let's pray together as we launch into this new series. Father, we thank you so much for being here. And just as we sing, God, we are uh, we are expecting, God, to hear from you. We're longing to, uh, to have you speak to us, God, in very real ways. Lord, we, we, as we sang, we also welcome you, God, here, and we, um, we do want to meet with you, Father. And, Lord, I pray that as we brought our different concerns and cares and even worries, fears, God, I just pray that you would, you would speak to us, God, and, and address the needs of our lives, God. Everyone here is at different points different places, with different circumstances. And so, God, um, we're counting on you, God, to uh, to minister to us right where we're at. We invite you to do that, God. We open our hearts to you. We pray you'd block all distractions, Lord, from our minds. We, we pray you'd eliminate um, hesitations, things that would prevent us from really opening ourselves up to you, God. You've given us your word, Lord, to instruct us. But not just that, Lord. You've given it to us to teach us to obey you. And so, Lord, we ask that you give us the um, focus so that we might know how to live this stuff out as we leave this place. It's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Well, we are launching a new series, and it's, it's called Bold Move, and it is very much tied to the the events that are coming up in our, the life of our church. And so I'm excited to be sharing the next three weeks about some of the significant things that God is doing among us. But a little over th- four years ago, we were finishing up a remodel project in our house in Pomona. We lived in Pomona, Phillips Ranch area, and I was on staff at a church in Diamond Bar, and we were finishing up a remodel of our house, and we pretty much had everything just the way we wanted it. We got done with all this stuff, super excited about it. We remodeled the bathroom. We did all this really cool things, and um, at the same time, we were making plans to move out here. We knew we were going to be selling that house, and so We were remodeling it so we could enjoy it, but we also knew we were going to be selling our house and moving out here to start this church. And a friend of mine who I highly respect, a businessman, much older than I am, strongly encouraged me to put our house up for sale. It was December, and we weren't really planning to move until August. We couldn't move because I had a commitment at our church until August. And so he said, Guys, I want to meet with you. He came to our house and he said, You need to put your house up for sale tomorrow. And we are like... That's awfully bold of you, you know, and uh, why? We couldn't we couldn't move for four months, but he just expressed a real concern. He said, the economy's changing. He said, the housing market has slowed down. He said, I've been looking at just this neighborhood and he says nothing is selling right now. And so we called our real estate agent and we said, hey, Larry, is this true? You know what? We know the economy's changing. We keep hearing about this housing crisis that we might be going into and that these prices can't continue to. And he said, yeah, you know, nothing is, is selling. He said, in fact, there hasn't been a house that's sold in your neighborhood in six months. And so we decided to take their advice, put the house up for sale then. And so, and we thought, you know, we're going to be, it could take us all year to sell this house. And we didn't want to be stuck with this house back in, in Pomona while we would moved here and having to manage living here and managing something over there. And we weren't really sure how that would work. And so we took the advice, put it up for sale. Our agent, he set the house at this ridiculously high price. And we thought, there's no way possible that that this house, three-bedroom house, could sell for that amount. And But we said, all right, you're the agent. Put it up for sale. And within eight days, our house sold. And um, we were shocked. It sold at asking price. We didn't have to negotiate. This lady came in. She bought the house. It was ac- exactly what she was looking for, a couple blocks from where she was uh, where she had already lived, the 71 freeway was being cut into her property. And so they, the city took her property. She didn't want to move out of that area. And so she's like, this is perfect. Move two blocks away. And, uh, and we're like, you're sure? You're sure? <laughs> sure enough, within a month, we were out of the house. And everything happened so quickly. We were very, very anxious about the whole thing. We were glad that it sold. And we were especially glad that it sold at the amount that we were asking. But we weren't ready. Like, we were like, we're comfortable here. We had just gotten everything just like we liked it. You know, we'd remodeled. We even got a hot tub that was broken in the backyard working. And we were just cranking that hot tub up, roasting in the cold weather, and just, you know, that's a great experience. And it was just, we weren't ready. We were comfortable. We knew that we knew everything. We liked everything. Now things were changing. But looking back at that experience, that was probably one of the most significant seasons of growth for us. There were some things that, in that period of time, that God showed us, as far as how He can provide and that 's what this series is about. The idea is this, and you'll see it in your listening guide and up on the screen is that the, some of the most rewarding times in life are tied to bold moves to, to to these adventures that sometimes we step out and we do these things that are that are that seem ridiculous that we may not make a lot of sense, and we can 't really see how it's all going to come, come together, but we take these bold moves. And God grows us. Um, God provided. It was interesting. We had, the question mark was, well, it's January. we were out of our house. Where do we go? Um, we really weren't sure. Can you find a, a place that will rent for six months? And so we started looking. A couple from our church said, here, just come live with us. Our, our boys are in college. You can have this half of our house. We'll have this half. Just come live with us. You don't have to pay rent. Just save your money. We're just like, you know, but there was these. There's these things that God did in that season for us as a family, allowing us to, to, to really uh, be taking care of an environment where this couple really served us in ways that we're just grateful for. Because um, it wasn't our house. They really didn't let us, they didn't want us to really do anything. I was like, well, can we kind of share that? Nope. They come home, They cook food, do all these different things. God was just providing. And really, I see what it is now. Is he was preparing us for, he was refreshing us. For a period of time that was going to be pretty difficult, when we were stepping out, starting something brand new, really stepping out in faith, moving out here, and, and beginning a church. And but what, it, what is a bold move? You see it in your outline. A bold move is this: it's a courageous, high-risk. I'm sorry, it's a courageous, high-risk plan that God might use in a major way. Keyword there is might. Most bold moves that we take in life, most faith steps, you just don't know what it's exactly going to look like. God directs you through his word and you step out and you're like he you know he says he's going to come through but i'm not this word might is key because you're not exactly sure what it's going to look like you don't know how he's going to keep his promise you trust that i trust that god will keep his promises but there's lots of questions in my mind when we step out in faith and all bold moves are connected to faith for those of us who've decided to follow christ the christian life is one that requires faith that that is not an option for us we are to be people of faith. For those of you who are Christians, that is what God is calling you to, to live a life of faith, whatever your circumstances are. And faith, walking by faith, is very much like you're walking into this deep, dark forest with things that you can't see, but you hear, you're just, you're not exactly sure what you're heading into. And when we're walking into the forest, we're walking by faith, you're often tempted to quit, you're often tempted to, to uh, just bail, turn, run, go back to what was safe. In that season of time when we moved, um, and at different points as we walked by faith after planting this church, man, the thought of, oh, life was so much different, so much more predictable and comfortable back where we were. But God's done some things as we've stepped on in faith. But uh, this morning, we're going to look in the book of Hebrews. book of Hebrews is a New Testament book, kind of near the end of the New Testament. And so if you... We're going to have the verses up on the screen, or if you can follow along in your Bible, if you brought one. But this, this book is kind of like a pep talk from a coach at halftime. And so if you're, if you're a sports person and you're a coach, or you have that mindset, it's very much like a pep talk. The, the, this book was written to Jewish Christians who were living around Jerusalem. And because of some hard things they were facing, they were tempted to go back to life as they knew it. They were Jews who became Christians. So they had these Jewish Old Covenant, Old Testament traditions and ways of doing life. And then Christ comes with something new, the New Covenant. And life was altered for them. But because of some of the hardships they faced, because of some of the persecution, it was just many of them were wrestling with, should I go back to my old ways of living? And so the book of Hebrews really addresses, it's a connection from the Old Testament to Christ. It connects the dots from From the Old Testament ways, the way of doing life, the people of the Old Testament, to the fulfillment in Jesus Christ. And the main message was to motivate them not to quit. Do not give up. Don't stop. Don't try to step back into the comfortable spot that you know. Keep pressing forward. Keep trusting. So let's look at Hebrews 11. And I really want to see how faith is defined in this portion of this chapter. Look at the beginning. It says, now faith is being sure of what we hope for and certain of what we do not see. Sure of what we hope for, and certain of what we do not see. It really has the idea of a foundation. Faith is being sure of what we hope. The wording there has to do with, faith is the foundation that stands under everything. He's saying that this is to support things. Faith is to be standing under our efforts. Certain of what we do not see. He he really, he points us in two different directions. The writer is saying that faith is expressed here towards the future, and towards things that we do not see. That's, that's what faith is. So in both cases, faith, this is in your outline, faith is believing when I don't see it. It's still believing, trusting, when I don't see it. When we're presented with the idea of God and how He created everything that exists out of nothing, we're, we're, we're told that he, he spoke some things into existence When we make things, it's very, very different. We make things out of ingredients, we make things out of materials, and then we build. God spoke things out of nothing. Things came to be, right? There's this belief that requires faith, certainty of the unseen, believing that God can do something, that he did something, created something out of nothing. But moving forward in life really requires that kind of attitude. Believing in things, trusting even when we can't quite see how this is all going to come together, we're moving forward into the future. We actually tend to think very different. We've all heard this phrase, and you've probably complete the statement: "I'll believe it when I, I'll believe it when I see it." Right? But the opposite is true in faith in spiritual matters. That's not the case. God doesn't want us to take that approach of "Well, I'll believe it when I see it." He wants us actually to believe in the things that aren't necessarily seen. We can't all understand it all. Faith involves. A certain belief that God will keep his promises. Eugene Peterson, he wrote the, the message, which is a paraphrase of the Bible. And here's what he says in the in the message, Hebrews eleven one. So this is a paraphrase, but it reads this. The fundamental fact of existence is that this trust in God, this faith, is the firm foundation under everything that makes life worth living. It's our handle on what we can't see. That's what faith is. It... It's what we're building our lives upon. Everything on a stand, rooted below everything, ought to be faith. Even though things don't make sense. And I want to build on this idea as we move on. Look at verse 2. Verse 2 says, this is actually what the ancients were commended for. This was the way of life, he's saying, for your ancestors. Remember, he's writing this to a bunch of Jewish Christians. And he's saying, this is what history tells us of our people. This is what you're... Your ancestors lived by they lived by faith it says by faith We understand that the universe was formed at god's command so that what is seen was not made out of what was visible see god spoke And he announced what would happen And then it actually happened. That's what that verse 3 is saying. God spoke some things into existence and then it did therefore Faith is this faith is also announcing it in order to experience it now before you freak out about the statement I want you to to look at what the scripture says as we look at these some different passages tied to this idea. This is a big part of faith. It's saying some things. It's making an announcement so that you can experience that. Um, this is not name what you want and then claim it. But there is something to be said about an announcement in the scripture as an act of faith. And I want to trace this through. Look at. Just a little more about God's creation. Psalm 33, 9 says this. When God spoke, things happened. For he spoke, and it came to be. He commanded, and it stood firm. There was an announcement, and then there was a response. They experienced the the result of the announcement. Now, that's God. But there's a connection between words and faith. The announcement preceded the experience, too. God spoke and then it happened. You might be thinking well that's God and he can do anything so if God speaks then of course he makes an announcement we're going to experience it we're different we're not God. But look at this. Look at Hebrews 11:22. This whole chapter Hebrews 11 it gives examples of people who live by faith. One of those was a guy named Joseph. It says in 11:22 a guy who who had this life of unfortunate sad sad events. Just Lots of down, down days. It says, By faith, Joseph, when his end was near, so he was about to die, he spoke. He made an announcement about the exodus of the Israelites from Egypt, and he gave instructions about his bones. This was basically 400 years before the fulfillment of these events. Joseph says, Hey, when we return, when we're we're delivered from the land of Egypt, because I know that's going to happen, take my bones and bury them in God's promised land. Because he's going to keep his promise that he given to, you know, he's he's going to keep the promise that he given to Abraham, and it was this was a faith announcement, believing this is this is what this is what is going to happen. He trusted that God would keep his promise. Even our own salvation experience, if you think about it, it's it's based on an announcement. It's based on proclaiming something. Our own faith experience. There's a connection between what we say and our faith, what we experience. Look at Romans 10, 9 and 10. Paul writes this. He says that if you confess with your mouth, Jesus is Lord. That's an announcement. If you make that confession, that announcement, and believe in your heart that God raised him from the dead, you will be saved. And then the next verse, verse 10, for it is with your heart that you believe and you're justified, and it is with your mouth that you confess and you're saved. It's interesting, the connection between what we say and... And what we experience. Maybe you've been coming around for a while and your heart has been opening up to the Lord. You've you started to kind of believe in Christ. Or you're beginning to open up the possibility that God is real. He sent His Son. His Son offered His 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 life freely for you. He wants you to trust your life to Him. Maybe you're opening up to that and you're ready to turn your life to Him. And inside you're beginning to believe it, but... You're not yet ready to make that public. You're not ready to say, yeah, Christ is Lord of my life. I'm not ready to make that announcement. There's a key when we make that announcement. We, The public proclamation of our, of our, of our beliefs is very important. What we, what we say is very, very important. When God prompted us to, to move our family to Riverside, it really um, was a scary thing for me to announce what we were planning to do. It was actually... I was up here to park at Orange Sheriff. Some of you have heard this story. I was up here, um, cooking underneath the picnic shelter in the middle of August. Um, probably two years almost before we moved out here. And I was, it, it was, um, praying for direction. It was hot, one of those really hot days. I'm like, God, I don't know if I want to do this. It's so hot here. It's, I'm like baking. And uh, I'm praying. The Lord starts giving me, direction really speaking to me through the bible i was reading through some passages god really spoke to some issues that were that were concerns of mine and as and as i sensed god's direction i i i was like before i haul off and do anything about this lord would you confirm this i was just praying lord would you confirm this a few minutes later um a friend of mine scott who's here he called me and he just he said hey what are you doing and i said uh i'm out in the park in riverside praying and, uh, I lived in Chino Hills, or Pomona at the time, and he's like, Oh, yeah, what are you praying about? And I said, Well, where are we plant the church. And he was wanting to borrow a sledgehammer, and I said, Well, I'll get it to you tonight, um, when I get back into town. And he said, Oh, by the way, since you're out there praying, I just want to let you know, Penny and I, we just want you to know that we're really prepping. We're trying to get ourselves ready so that when you say it's time to go, wherever you guys decide the Lord's leading you, we want to be a part of that team. And, uh, I was like, Wow. Uh, well, I really sensed God saying it's time that He wants us to move here to Riverside, and uh, God really confirmed what He was saying to me. I called my wife, called my pastor, and I just said, "I think this is—I think this is from God." And 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 then we made an announcement. We said, "Here's what God's going to do in our lives. Here's what," and we were believing some things that we could not see how it was going to come together. And uh, here we are now, and and. Making that announcement and not just secretly moving to Riverside and kind of putting some things together. There's a lot on the line when you make an announcement about something you believe God is, is doing. But there's a connection. This is a big part of faith. Making announcements, saying this is what we sense God wants us to do. Personally, when you sense God is doing something in your life, to verbalize that. That's a big, that's a big part of seeing God come through. Because then people are brought along in the process. It strengthens the faith of others. But scripturally, this idea of announcing it before we experience it, this is more than just believing that God is our personal genie who, you know, we say, I want 50000 in my bank account by this week, God. I'm praying for that. I'm going to make that announcement. I believe it. That's a very different idea so that we can buy our new car and our dream vacation. The requirement, and this is in your alley, the requirement of a faith announcement is that it serves his purposes. And scripture People made announcements based on what God was saying to do. It was wrapped around God's purposes, not our own. We have to be care- very careful. and I hate to burst our bubble on this idea if you were thinking, man, I'm getting some good ideas here on how to advance myself personally. It really is about advancing God's kingdom. So we have to be careful not to mix those. Look at verse four, it says this by faith Abel, the second-born son to Adam and Eve, you probably have heard of Adam and Eve, their son. Their second-born son was named Abel. He offered God a better sacrifice than Cain, who was the first-born son. Abel was a shepherd. Cain was a farmer. It says that by faith he was commended as a righteous man when God spoke well of his offerings. And by faith he still speaks, even though he is dead. So the second-born son, Abel, he gave an offering to the Lord from his very best. It says that he gave from the first of his flocks, from the fat from the firstlings of his flocks. He gave very First and the very best. Whereas the older son, Cain, he gave some. He gave some. The idea there, the implication is he gave out of his leftovers while this other brother gave from his very best. That's, that's really an offering. That is a faith type of offering. That's another part of faith. Faith involves sacrificial giving. Faith is oftentimes giving when I don't even have it. There's a trust that went on with Abel. He trusted that if he gave his best to God, that God would not rip him off, but God would actually meet his needs. He would see to it that his needs were met. He would be taken care of. He'd have more. And that was a bold move that Abel made. And God rewarded it. One pastor said it this way. He says, The number one way that God tests our faith is finances. I think that's true. The number one way that God tests it is finances the way we handle our resources i believe for most of us at least for me i've experienced that look at your think about your current giving to the lord and ask yourself are my giving habits are my giving patterns of faith the faith offering in this passage was was able he gave sacrificially i had a conversation with a family who's coming to our church it's really exciting when when people who've come to faith in christ through our church Come and share what God is doing in their lives. As one couple came to our church, and they're they're part of our church here. They're here today, and I was having a conversation with them. I'm talking to the husband at one point, and he just said, "You know, we've made some decisions at the at the turn of this year that we really want to do things right. We want to. We don't want to. We don't want to be sloppy in certain areas. And there was some area in the area of giving. He said we we just needed to make some changes. He said we decided we were going to give." We were going to give a tithe and we were going to try to, this whole first fruits idea, we were going to trust God and see what He did. Look at Proverbs 3, 9, and 10. What He's doing is this. Honor the Lord with your wealth, with the first fruits of all your crops. Then your barns will be filled to overflowing and your vats will brim over with new wine. I responded to him and I said, you know, I'm looking forward to hearing how God provides. I'm looking forward to hearing what God does in your life as you step out in faith. And He said, you know what? God's already, He's already blessed. He's already blessed us through that decision. As we've given, we've seen God provide for us and provide even more. And see, that's, he, he, that's faith. That's faith giving. Not all giving is faith giving. Oftentimes, we, we get into deep, deep waters financially, and it's tied to our giving. But if you're a Christ follower, if you follow Christ, you cannot afford to ignore this area. There's real blessing and favor tied to the way we handle it. There's also consequences and pain that we face that, that is connected to the way we give. For most of us, this is going to be a growing edge. For me, it's my growing edge in life. Releasing the resources God has provided has been the, one of the biggest struggles. And as a pastor, it hasn't gotten any easier. It's, 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 it's so difficult to trust the Lord with our finances. And God doesn't want us to give out of fear, He doesn't want us to give out of coercion or guilt. He actually wants us to give joyfully. Scripture, that's a hard thing to do. But he wants us to give joyfully in response to his goodness. Look at the next verse, another idea. By faith, another guy, Enoch, this is on the back. Enoch was taken from this life so that he did not experience death. He could not be found. He was just taken. The idea is he was taken out. He couldn't be found because God had taken him away. For before he was taken, he was commended as one who pleased God. We read about Enoch in Genesis chapter 5, verses 18 through 24. And I don't think it's up on the screen, but I'll just quickly tell you what it says. In verse 21, it says, just a little history of his family. When Enoch had lived 65 years, he became the father of Methuselah. And, be, and after he became the father of Methuselah, Enoch walked with God. He walked with God. 300 years and had other sons and daughters, although Enoch lived 365 years. Verse 24 says, Enoch walked with God, then he was no more, because God took him away. And that's Hebrews is recounting the story of Enoch, the man who walked with God. And all of a sudden, God took him out. He did not ever experience death. God just took him straight to be with him. It's an interesting story. And the key there is he walked with God. The Hebrew word there for walking doesn't have to do with, like, he was God's jogging partner. And they would go on long walks in the morning and talk about, what are you planning to do this week, God? And what about you, Enoch? The idea is, the Hebrew word walk has to do with the way of life, the way one walks in life, the pattern of living, the choices, the way we go about doing life. Enoch was the guy who was fully surrendered in the way he did his life, and it pleased the Lord. Look at where it goes. It says, he was commended as one who pleased God, Hebrews 11, 5 says. And then verse 6 A key verse, without faith, it is impossible to please God. He's tying that to Enoch. Without that kind of faith, it's impossible to please God. Because anyone who comes to him must believe that he exists and that he rewards those who earnestly seek him. Walking in the fear of the Lord is what this man Enoch did. It means to believe not only that God exists, but also that he rewards those who seek him and pursue him. He responds to our lives with blessing and favor as we walk in line with His ways. That's what pleases God. That's what the Scripture is saying. So faith is this. Faith is staying within the boundaries that God sets. That's what we get from the life of Enoch. It's staying within the boundaries. He sets some guardrails around our lives and says, do not blow past these boundaries. If you do, there's consequences. If you stay within the boundaries of doing life God's way, there's real blessing, there's favor that God pours into our lives. Even if everyone else is moving in a different direction, pleasing themselves to walk with God in a way that's pleasing to Him, is so important. That's the faith life. Look at verse, the next two verses. Another guy. By faith it says, Noah, verses 7 and 8, Noah, when warned about things not yet seen, in holy fear built an ark, a big ship to save his family. By his faith he condemned the world and became heirs of the righteousness that comes by faith. Noah was the guy, and God said, it's going to rain. Noah didn't know what rain was, because it had never rained before. It had never rained, and so the thought of, this is going to happen. You need to build an ark. What's an ark? A boat. Okay, what's a boat? It's something that floats so that when it rains, and there's water, you can... Well, you probably maybe he knew that, but... You know, this is this is inland, and so this wasn't right along, you know, where there was water already. This was you know, a few hundred miles from water. And so this was a whole new concept of trusting God for Noah. And it says he he obeyed God. And and by doing that, his faith condemned the world because other people were ignoring what God was saying in their lives. They were blowing past boundaries. He became heir of the righteousness that comes by faith. Another guy, Abraham, another faith story, Abraham, verse 8, when, he, when called to go to a place he would later receive as inheritance, he obeyed and went, even though he did not know where he was going. God made this man, Abraham, a promise about a land and being the father of a, of a great nation who blessed the whole earth. The problem was, Abraham was an old man. He's in his 90s. His wife was barren. She couldn't have any kids how were they going to make a great nation if they couldn't have any children? And what land are you talking about? God just said, go to the land. Where is it? I'll show you where it is. Just start going. Imagine giving that assignment, you know. Just pack up your stuff and start going. That's, that's faith. So faith is this. Faith is obeying when I don't understand it. That's what you see in Noah. Because you're talking about things in Noah's life that he had no concept for. In Abraham, he was given very little information. Obeying when I don't understand it, God is going to ask us over and over to do things that make very little sense to us. We want to know why. We always want to know God why 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 are we supposed to do this? Can you clarify some things? God may not show us the why until we say yes. I'll trust you. I'll step out. Whatever you ask me to do, I'll step out. This message right here kind of lays out faith. It sets the framework for our future as a church. We we want to build on this. We want to be a faith church taking steps of faith. Our mission is this. It's in the, on the screen, to know, love, and glorify God. This is a bold statement. To know, love, and glorify God and be used by Him to help all people to know Jesus Christ and to become fully devoted followers of Him. This is really a summary of the Great Commission and the Great Commandment. Love the Lord your God with all your heart, soul, mind, and strength. Go and, you know, therefore, go and make disciples of all the nations. These are two great things we're supposed to make life about. This is a summary. This is how we apply that in our church. But to continue to do this through the years, we're going to have to be willing to take some risky steps, some bold steps forward that are high risk, that, that have lots of questions involved in them if we're going to set out to keep making new followers of Christ. And that we would be a part of that. That God would use us to reach out. And that as new people are coming around, that we would be a part coming alongside their lives and helping them grow. And then we'd be Doing tr- that we would train people to continue to reach out because there was a point in which we were lost. And we needed to be found by the Lord. That's why we do this. People are growing in our church. We, this is one of those moments in our church history where it's time to take a step. We've had the privilege of seeing people come to know Christ and growing. People are growing to become more like Him. We've seen God provide the opportunity for, for us to move from the house where we started, my house, D.J. Chapman's house, into a middle school then, Millie Earhart. We were there for a season. Then God provided an opportunity for us to start meeting here in this location. And we're kind of in a comfortable spot. We're at a size where you can pretty much, if you want to get to know people, you can probably get to know a good portion of the people who call this church home. And so it's comfortable. It's kind of like when I was back in my home. It was all done up the way I like it. It's predictable. But that is not a mark of faith. 2 Corinthians 5.7. It reminds us we live by faith, not by sight. God is clear, though, that he wants us to keep reaching out. And you probably know about this, but we're, we're multiplying, like Taylor said, we're multiplying our services. That's a big step because as we multiply our services, we're not going to all get to know, it's not going to be, you know, it's easy. It's like one big happy family. And sometimes... When you multiply services, the fear creeps in. How am I going to know people? How am I going to, what if my friends go to the first service and I go to the second service? How am I going to stay connected? Lots of, lots of questions start propping into our minds. And so, but this is an opportunity for us. The reason we're doing it, when we're in our banquet room, and I've said this before, on, on a day like today in our banquet room, we're pretty, we're fuller and we, we don't have as much room to grow. And when guests come in, there, if there's nowhere to sit, it's just not very comfortable. It's not very inviting. It's not very welcoming. It feels like we've got they've got things going on in there, and they're set. You know, There's no room for me. We want to make room for people. And we're believing in faith that there are people yet to be reached in, this, in these cities that are going to be a part of our church in the coming months and years. And this, this is going to help us with that. So this is going to challenge us. And, and as we wrap up, I'm going to ask Cody to come up as we just kind of wrap up here. I want you to begin to think about, as we are taking this step in three weeks, what is, what is my part? Ask the question, God, what do you want me to do that would resemble faith to support what we're doing as a church? What, how can I do my part and take a step forward in faith? And I don't know what that means for you. I know what God is saying to me and my wife. We're praying about some specific things. I'll sh- probably share them with you in the next few weeks. We're really trying to get a clear direction on what God would want us to sacrifice as we take this step forward. But I believe the people are already here to reach more people. I know many of you have a real concern for those that have yet to be reached. And so the people are here that have a heart for those that are lost and looking for hope. I think the volunteers are here that are needed in order to have two services because it does put more pressure on our volunteers. And so we need more volunteers. And I think... God's already provided what we need. I think the resources are here. When we started this church, we were depending on outside support, partners from churches, and I think God's saying it's time to for OCC to bear the weight of responsibility to, to keep reaching out. And um, I'm excited for what God is saying to us as we move into this season. So would you pray over the next few weeks, God, what would you want me to do? that would resemble faith. I don't want to live safely, comfortably. I want to live by faith, not by sight. You can see there's some next steps there that are on the back of the welcome card. I really encourage you to think through any of these. The first one, commit to protect the unity of our church verbally and through prayer. The reason for that is because as we grow and as we make changes, conversations can start that won't be helpful for us moving together as one unit, as a unified body. So just commit to protect the church verbally. Secondly, read this chapter in full and ask the question, God, what am I doing right now that requires faith? Or third, this is a big question and and request, is commit to attend the new service for the first three months. We don't need everybody to do that, but we sure could use a big group of people that would help us to make the first service their service for a period of 90 days as we see how this thing goes. Because we don't want it to be this crowd and then me and Cody in the first service. So so anyway, consider what God would want you to do. Let's pray. Father, we just offer ourselves to you, God. You're so good to us, Lord. We don't deserve the relationship that we have with you, God. To know the creator of the universe. God, that you'd send your son as a perfect sacrifice to offer his life for us so that we could find forgiveness for our sins because without him, God, we would not only die, but as we finish life on this earth, Lord, we'd be separated from you in hell for all eternity, God, and we need we need you. We thank you so much for the sacrifice of Jesus. Lord, help us to be motivated to share him with others, to allow others to experience the hope that he offers, Lord, for this life and for all eternity. Lord, would you speak to us very clearly in these coming weeks about what, what we can do individually, as families, as individuals, to be a part of what what you're doing in the life of our church, Lord, we thank you for, thank you for your word, God, and how clear and how challenging it is, Lord. We love you, in Jesus name, Amen.